and welcome back to the Father Daughter Book Club. I am one of your hosts, Chris, the father. And I am the other host, Kalia, the daughter. And today we will be reading One Crazy Summer by Rita Williams Garcia instead of discussing about Out of My Mind by Sharon M. Draper. We apologize for the switcheroo, but we felt that this book was going to be a good read for many different reasons. And don't worry if you've already started reading the other book. We're going to circle back around to it. So don't worry, you can join that discussion when we get to it. But please go out and get One Crazy Summer because we think this is a great book. It's really good. <laughs> Especially if you're a, a preteen like Kalia is. It's great for, for, <laughs> for our middle schoolers to read. Uh, just a little bit of background about this book. One Crazy Summer by Rita Williams Garcia was originally published on January 26, 2010. It was a National Book Award finalist for young people's literature. It also was a Coretta Scott King Award winner, a Scott O'Dell Award winner for historical fiction, and it received the Newbery Medal Honor Book. And just a warning, there will be spoilers. That's right. So we know we just dropped this switch on you and you probably haven't gotten this book or began reading it. So please pause right now. Go to your local library or bookstore or pick up your Kindle and get this book, One Crazy Summer. Go ahead and read the first 110 pages or so because that's Roughly. what we'll be discussing today. And then once you're done, come back, press play and join in on the discussion. All right. So let's get started. All right, a quick synopsis about the book. In this Newbery Honor novel, New York Times bestselling author Rita Williams Garcia tells the story of three sisters who traveled to Oakland, California in 1968 to meet the mother who abandoned them. 11-year-old Delphine is like a mother to her two younger sisters, Benetta and Fern. She's had to be ever since her, her mother, Cecile, left them seven years ago for a radical new life in California. When they arrive from Brooklyn to spend the summer with her, Cecile is nothing like they imagined. While the girls hope to go to Disneyland and meet Tinkerbell, their mother sends them to a day camp run by the Black Panthers. Unexpectedly, Delphine, Vanetta, and Fern learn much about their family, their country, and themselves during one truly crazy summer. And I also have a few things to mention about the book. It's very funny how you have said many times before that kids around 11 year old in certain books are very mature than most 11 year olds yeah this book shares that similarity with the previous book we read which was counting, counting by, by sevens. sevens in that book willow was a 12 year old who was just extremely bright and brilliant and a genius and very mature for her 12 years of age and very mature in dealing with the tragedy of losing her parents yeah. In this book, One Crazy Summer, Delphine is 11 years old, and she's also extremely mature because she's had to take care of her two younger sisters. And just something that I was very disturbed about, you don't send your kids half across the country, not even halfway across the country, across the country by themselves. Yeah, this book begins with two things that I myself would never do as a parent. Thank you. Please uh, don't. One parent is sending his children across the country to go meet their mother. Who that abandoned them. Abandoned them. So those two things. I would never send my 11-year-old, which you are 11 years old, alone on an airplane across the country. And I would never abandon you. 
<laughs> so we learned that Delphine, because her mother left them when she was only four years old, she's had to become very mature. Um, her father doesn't seem to be as involved. Their primary caretaker is their grandmother. Yeah. And she has given Delphine, Delphine. so much responsibility. And so much so that Delphine has done wasn't able to do anything else but just grow up quickly, become a mother, like a mother to her two younger sisters. And she's our primary character here in this book. And we learn a lot about you know, how she thinks and how she feels about her sisters and the world around her. And because this is set during, this is set in her mind. The story is told by It's told Delphine. from her, it's told in the first person perspective from Delphine's point of view. That's right. So far, Kalia, we're 100 pages in. What are your overall thoughts? Well, there are some points in the book that I personally did not like. But I understand that it has a part in how black people grew. And another thing is that these are three small black girls who are the main characters in this book. And so we we see that the kids have to deal with the things of the time. This book is set in 1968, yes, which is right in the middle of the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. We learn that the Black Panthers are very present in their mother's life. And then when they go visit her, they become present in their life. Yes. We learn about uh, some historical figures are mentioned, such as... Huey Newton. Huey Newton, who was the leader of the Black Panthers. Little Bobby. Little Bobby. Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali. And Bobby Kennedy and John F. Kennedy, the president. Yeah, so they talk... And much more. They talk about real people, real events. They're dealing with the cultural climate of the time, the shifting of attitudes. What's maybe this is a little bit uh, veering off topic, but Delphine learns that her perception of the Black Panthers is much different than how they really are. Really? Yeah. So her perception has been shaped by the media. She thinks that they're this. Yes extremely militant outfit that's always carrying around rifles and always yelling and shouting and stuff. Because that's what she sees on the news when she was in Brooklyn. And that's the way how her grandmother feels about them, too. Well, and her grandmother, she learns that even though she's heard of the Black Panthers, she's never really interacted with them in Brooklyn. And so the Black Panthers that she winds up interacting with in Oakland, there's another side to them. And she learns like about that other side Sister about Macumbu, well not Sister Pat, I mean the main teachers. reason the main reason why she goes uh, her and her breakfast. sisters go to the, the Black Panther Center is for breakfast it's for breakfast and we find it's a community center that's run by the Black Panthers they uh, feed hungry children and um, run a education kind of summer school kind of a summer school for the kids and there's this other side of them that isn't really shown or depicted in the media that she's no. seen this far. So, you know, it's uh, she's learning that you can't uh, just rely on the media for opinions about groups because there's always two sides to a, to one story. Right. So let's let's rewind this a bit and um, go back to the be- beginning of the book. So right. what what do the books excuse me? What do the girls expect in their visit to California? 
they expect lots of like famous movie stars and movies and like because when people generally think of california they think of hollywood and disneyland yeah they think they're going to go to the beach and, and swim the ocean and go to disneyland meet tinkerbell and then how is it different than those expectations because this is set in northern california which isn't really near hollywood and even though there are beaches it's very cold and they feel and i would think that in oakland it would be hotter because it's california and they've always been in colder weather so they kind of wanted a change <laughs> well the temperature is still warm in oakland but it's not as warm as it would be in southern california yeah and Disneyland is in Southern California, not anywhere near Oakland, as no. you mentioned. And I think the first thing that is different than their expectations... Is where Cecile lives. Is where Cecile is concerned in general. First of all, I think it's different that they call their mother Cecile. And not mom. As opposed to mom. But again, this is a woman that they haven't grown up with. True. I mean, Cecile is really the only one who remembers her. Excuse me. Delphine, Delphine is the only one who remembers Cecile. So they've just called, they've grown up calling her Cecile. She wasn't a figure in their lives. No. So they don't call her mom. Even though and, she is their mom. Right. And it becomes very apparent when she goes to pick them up from the airport that they're kind of a nuisance to her. Yeah. She, you know, she walks really fast. She almost leaves them behind. It's like she's barely even aware that they're there. It's surprising that she even shown up, showed up at the airport given the attitude that she has. So I think that is extremely different than what they may have expected. They might have wanted her to be more like a mom. They, because they even say she's not anything like a mother figure. Yeah, I mean, they, they don't know this woman. They don't no. know what kind of personality she has. But I think they expected her to at least be more loving than yes. she is. She doesn't even hug them when she sees them and won't even call Fern by her real name. Because that's one of the reasons why she left them was because their father said no more made up names. Her name's going to be Fern. So she gave the body. She gave Fern a bottle, sent her to sleep, and then was gone. That's so a that's, stupid thing to leave. So that's, Stupid reason to leave. I think that's Delphine's impression of what happened. And maybe she's heard stories from either her father or grandmother. Or it sounded like they had a close relationship with their uncle as well. Uncle Darnell. Uncle Darnell. I think she's heard these stories and maybe she has vague, vague memories of what happened. And in her memory, yeah. she thinks that Cecile left immediately after not being able to name Fern. She wanted to give her a different name. And... Her her father, after having children named Delphine and Vanetta, they're very pretty names though. Wanted to name Fern. their their final daughter, which makes sense because you would want to have a say in your daughter's names. Right. So names wind up playing a really important role in this story, right? Yeah, and Delphine has very. She was very heartbroken when she realized what her name actually meant. And that was because she thought that Cecile drummed her up a name that she could grow into and that would love. But she, when she saw for herself in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary that her name was named after a dolphin, 
She felt very heartbroken. Yeah, she thought her name was unique, that yes. nobody else had it. And as you as you mentioned, it was, for her, I think it it was more than just the name itself. It was more than her mom. She thought that Cecile, that when she gave her her name, that was the only thing that Cecile did right, is what she says. It's the only thing, it was the only thing that Cecile gave her. True. And I think she uses her name as a connection to her mother because she thinks that her mom dreamt her up her name not just dreamt her up her name but gave a lot of thought into her name even though the name sounds like it would belong to an older woman as you said Delphine feels like she'll eventually grow into her name when she gets older and when she finds out that her name isn't original she's like you said heartbroken she's devastated she thought the whole time that her name was original and made up and then she looks in the dictionary and sees her name right there in the dictionary alongside all of the other names Whereas her sister Vanetta, we learn that the Vaughn in Vanetta comes from the Sarah Vaughn. singer Sarah Vaughn, who was an old or blues Dorothy jazz Vaughn. singer. And music was important in their house, and Sarah Vaughn was played around the house. And so that's where Vanetta comes from. We don't quite learn where Fern, Fern's name comes from, but we know that Cecile didn't name. want that name. She wanted a different name. I forget what her name was that she wanted, though. Well, we haven't learned that yet. I don't think they've said it. They've they've hinted at different things, but they haven't really outright said what Cecile wanted to name her. And that's another thing. Uh, She says her name later in the book, though. Well, up through through page... uh, I would think that she would. Up through page 110, which is where we're kind of cutting off this discussion, she hasn't said it yet. But I would think that she would say I'm sure that. we will learn that. Yeah. The other, What's the other important name? Miss Patty Cake. That's not a name. That's a doll. But in turn, Fern's doll. Fern's doll. But another important name Niz- in the book. Nizzla. Or Inzilla. I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> I think it's pronounced Inzilla. Inzilla. It's the name that Cecile goes by now. And it's another... It's her poet name. It's her poet name, and it means uh, something about the path, right? Clearing the path. But I think the discussion that Cecile and Delphine have about that name is really important. It kind of sparks this whole relationship discussion about names. And it also she also only lets Delphine in the kitchen. Okay, that's later on, right? Yes. We haven't gotten to that part yet. But in in terms of Cecile's name, she's chosen to go by Inzilla, but Delphine thinks that that's insulting, that you don't go by the name that was given to you, right? Yes. Especially because she holds her name pretty dear to her, the name that was given to her. So she thinks it's actually pretty arrogant that Cecile would go by something different than Cecile. What do you think? Honestly, I think the reason why Cecile decided to change her name was so that she could have a new life and she didn't have to have her old background. That's what I would think, and she kind of wants to clear from what she used to be, and she wants to be a different person now. So I kind of think that it's a good thing, because she's trying to have a new name for herself, and she's trying to become a different person so that she's a better person than what she used to be. I think that's very possible. There's also mention of the fact that it's a Yoruban name. Yoruba is 
there are people in Africa. And I, I think what we're finding about, out about Cecile is that she's not only involved in the Black Panthers, but her identity, she, she doesn't want to have anything to do with her given identity, which was given to her. Like, you know, you could say Cecile is a, a slave name. True. So I think she's trying to shed that portion of her identity. Uh, we'll find out in the in the future. Yes. Um, but you brought up the incident in the kitchen. So Cecile, for whatever reason, we haven't quite learned the full reason yet, but she's very protective of her kitchen. And that's because that's her workspace. It's her workspace, but she, you would think you'd want to. Sh- you could share that with your kids, right? Like that's at least be, get her a drink of water. It, it shouldn't be such a big deal to let other people into the kitchen, but she's very adamant that the kids can't step foot inside the kitchen. Eventually, Delphine confronts her about this because Delphine and the kids have been eating nothing but takeout ever since they arrived. And she doesn't like that. She doesn't. She and Fern needs to n- eat a home cooked meal. Fern ends up getting sick because of it. She does? Oh, yeah, she yeah, does. Yeah, she winds up getting sick. Her stomach is hurting. And so Delphine takes it upon herself to go get some groceries. And she confronts Cecile and says, we need to cook this food in the kitchen. And Cecile finally relents. But she says, you better not get any grease on my work. On my work. This leads to an evening of a home-cooked meal. And it also gives her a flash of memory. And... It was because she was really the only one who could keep quiet. And I think that's why she let Delphine into the kitchen because she already knew that she was very mature and she could keep quiet and not talk. Otherwise, like Vanetta and Fern, they are kind of talkative. So they would probably keep pestering her. Yeah, Delphine says she knew she would know better than to open her mouth, right? Yes. She would she would keep to herself in the kitchen. She tries to be very um, Oblique, like she's not there. And she winds up cooking the entire meal herself with no help from Cecile. Because she knew better not to ask. Because <laughs> she knew better not to ask. This whole scene ends with an interesting conversation between Cecile and Delphine. Yes. And that, we talked about this last night. We did. And <laughs> Cecile tells Delphine. So after they've eaten dinner, Cecile says that Delphine has to clean clean up up everything all on her own without any help. This is exactly on page 110. Okay, why don't you go ahead and read? Then she added, and don't expect no help from me. I said, I don't mind. She gave another hoomph and a head shake. We're trying to break yokes. You're trying to make one for yourself. If you knew what I know, seen what I've seen, you wouldn't be so quick to pull up plow. I sort of knew what she meant. But someone had to look out for Vanetta and Fern while we were here. I sacked the plates in the sink and ran the hot water. It wouldn't kill you to be selfish, Delphine, she said, and moved me out of the way to wash her hands. Then she went back to praying over her puzzle pieces. So I think that conversation lets us know a lot about Cecile. Cecile has been broken down enough to where she thinks that her own daughter should be more selfish, which I think lets in a lot about who she she is is. she's probably very selfish obviously she left her kids seven years ago so that was a selfish thing to do and she also says we're trying to break yokes we talked a little bit about about it last night but what do you think that means 
I think it means that we're trying to break away from our past, and she's trying to go, and that Delphine is trying to go back to to their past. Who do you think she means when she says we? Everyone. All, well, not everyone, but I think she's talking about black people in general. We're trying to not remember our past because it was very torturing, and they want to break away from it. Yeah. I think that it's not just about forgetting the past, but it's about lifting this metaphorical yoke from the collective, By the freeing way, yourself so that you're not working for someone else. By the way, the type of yoke is not an egg yoke. <laughs> yes, that's a mistake that Kalia made, but we're talking about yokes, Y-O-K-E, not yes. yolks. Y-O-L-K. Yes. Kind of pronounced like yolks yeah. sometimes. I've broken a few yolks in my day <laughs> when I'm cooking, but never yolk. So yeah, I think that's a very important conversation. I think it gives us just a little hint at where Delphine is coming from. Not, excuse me, where Cecile is coming from. And based on that, I think we'll, we're going to learn quite a bit more about Cecile and what she's been through in life. Mm-hmm. Not only before having kids, but in the times, well, in the time since she left them, uh, I think yeah. we'll we'll probably get to get to hear her side of the story. So far, we've only heard Delphine and Big Ma, their grandmother's side of the story, really about why Cecile left. Our opinion of Cecile has been shaped entirely by um, what Delphine thinks of her. We hope you're enjoying our discussion of One Crazy Summer. We just wanted to take a quick break to remind you to subscribe to Father Daughter Book Club on iTunes, Google Play, or Pocket Cast, or wherever you listen to podcasts at. And also to let you know, we've also opened up comments on our website, fatherdaughterbookclub.com. So drop us a line, let us know what you're thinking of our discussion, and if you have any suggestions for new books to read, please let us know. another thing that I told you about and this is on page 65 and this kind of bothered me and so this um, person at the Black Panthers asked them asked Delphine and her sisters what is wrong with this picture Fern pointed back at him and said I don't know what's wrong with this picture the other Black Panthers laughed and told Fern that's right little sis don't take nothing from no one and they slapped palms instead and said stuff like, these are Sister Inzalas, all right? Look at them. Beakman, or I don't remember his name, but they called him Beakman, tried to stand up to his humiliation. Shake it off. Little sis, are you a white girl or a black girl? Friend said, I'm a colored girl. He didn't like the sound of colored girl. He said, black girl. Friend said, colored. Black girl. Vanetta and I threw... Our colored on top of ferns like we were ring tossing at Coney Island. This was bigger than say it at, say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. If one of us said colored, we all said colored, unless we were fighting amongst ourselves. All right then, colored girls. Beak, big beak said. Why are you carrying that self hatred in your around in your arms? An older teenage girl in a Cal t- State T-shirt said. Kelvin, you're crazy. Leave those colored girls alone. So his name is Kelvin. Now that they know his name, they can call him by it instead of their made-up name for him. 
They still call him Big Beak Stringy Hair. Kelvin looked pleased with himself. Okay, so what's your question? It just bothered me. And I know I've said this before, but I personally, I think I know the answer to this. But personally, I would prefer to call myself black instead of colored. Or African American instead of colored. And that's because, like, everyone, like, she can't change the color of her skin. So, I just, I just don't like that term. I don't like it either. But I understand why um, they said it. And it was because in those times, they called themselves Negroes and colored. And then after that, it was black. Then Afro-American. Something like that. Afro-American. And then he was African-American. And I understand it. I just don't like that term. I just don't like that term. Yeah, we reading this now, in 2017, it's very easy for us to look at these terms as archaic, as offensive. Yes. But it took a while for us to find the terms... When I say us, I mean black people to find the term that we wanted to be called to be called. And the more acceptable terms now are black or African-American. But during the time in 1968, that wasn't common yet. It was more common to say colored or Negro or Negro. So that's why this Black Panther asks them this question. And in particular, because Fern is carrying a white doll. So that's why this discussion comes up. I think it's important that we also set the stage here. We've talked a lot about the Black Panther Center without explaining why they have to go there. And that is because Cecile does not want them around the house. And she doesn't even want to be responsible for feeding them. She doesn't want them in her kitchen. So the very first morning, she tells them that they can go get breakfast from the center. She explains them explains to them where it is and how to get there and then says go and don't come back until much Time for dinner until much much later because I don't I want you out of my hair the rest of the day so that's unfortunate that you know they're they just got to Oakland and their mother is already displacing them from the home which uh, is a green stucco house they're very strange things that that Delphine notices about the home that it has green stucco and none of the other houses around it have green stucco on them what else uh, unusual about the house did she notice? Palm tree. A palm tree right in the front yard. No other homes nearby had palm trees in the front yard. So they're noticing these differences and Delphine kind of characterizes them as the home of a crazy person. She continues to recognize these things about Cecile that, oh yeah, that's what a crazy person would do. Like keep keep them out of the kitchen. Oh, she's, she must be crazy. This is why Cecile is behaving this way. In that passage that you read about Crazy Kelvin confronting Fern about... Yes. What's the name? Little Miss Patty Cake? Yes. Miss Patty Cake. Miss Patty Cake. In that passage, you noticed that Delphine says, if one of us says colored, we all say colored. So what do you think that says about the relationship the sisters have? I feel like the sisters... If one of them is in trouble, they all are in trouble. And I feel like they all stick together. But I think also later in the book, I feel like Vanetta try, like, doesn't really... 
And I feel like later on in the book, Veneta doesn't really want to stay like that. She wants to hang out with her other friends. So this doll, this doll is an interesting object in this book. First, it gains attention from Crazy Kelvin. Crazy Kelvin. And then later on in the book, it gets the attention of some of the other kids who are coming to the center who start to make fun of Fern for carrying around a doll, first of all, at her age. They say that she's too old to be carrying around a baby doll. And then also because the doll is white. But most dolls back then were white. They didn't really make black dolls. That's probably very true. So, it makes I makes sense, in but my then, opinion. But then how does, how does the doll kind of start to divide the sisters? Here's what happens. So, in the book, Vanetta had made a friend with another family's with another middle girl that's around her age and she starts making friends with them and hanging out and then her friend says like la 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 making fun of um fern for fern carrying the doll and so she doesn't really want and she's tired of sticking up for fern so she doesn't and that leaves Delphine to make fun to help Fern and that makes Delphine very mad at Vanetta and which kind of separates Vanetta from Fern and Delphine. So throughout this entire book, up until this moment, we've seen that the girls are very tight. And close. And they always stick up for each other. And in the first instance when Kelvin was asking those questions they all stick up for each other hey if one of us says colored we all say colored the only time that we don't is if we're fighting amongst ourselves but to everybody else we stick together and i think that they've all had fights with other kids just so that you know because they they represent one unit and they don't let anybody else take them down yes and then but then vanetta we learn that she's a very showy girl she likes to get attention and she's probably reached a point in her life where, um, you know, she wants to make more friends than just her sisters. And I think because of that, when one of the girls that she wants to befriend starts making fun of her sister, she lets it happen. And takes it. And she takes it even further. What does she do? She um, covers Miss Patty Cake in black marker. Yeah, and clearly Miss Patty Cake is near and dear to Fern. And Vanetta knows that this is going to hurt her, but she does it anyway. And I think this is, this action is going to drive a wedge. Well, it has started to drive a wedge between the sisters. Um, Vanetta doesn't really hang out with Fern and Delphine anymore when they go to the center. She goes and hangs out with the other girls. Um, when it's time to go out to the park and play, Delphine and, and Fern stay, in. stay behind so that they don't have to play with Vanetta. Obviously, Delphine is upset because of the way Vanetta is behaving. And since Fern has been the target, of course, she's upset as well. And they all, you know, start to keep their distance from Vanetta. It's sad to see that uh, these group of girls, these sisters who are so strong, so tight, so protective of one another, have had this incident kind of drive a wedge between them. We'll see what happens in the next, you know, 100 or so pages remaining in this book if they're able to repair that relationship i hope they are Mm -hmm. 
Um, but right now, it's in a precarious situation. I hope that they get back together because they were so strong and they were so cute together. I love them being together. Yeah, me too. I think that's going to wrap up our discussion. We've talked about uh, lots, all, of things. lots of things, all the important events that have happened this far. And hopefully what we expect to see in the, the next hundred pages or so. And I have a prediction, though. I think that Cecile is going to um, become a little closer to them. Even though right now she doesn't, I think as the summer goes along, I think she's going to want to hang out with them longer. I hope you're right. I want that to happen. <laughs> yeah, me too. So thank you for listening to the Father Daughter Book Club. Be sure to join us next time as we continue discussing One Crazy Summer by Rita, Rita Williams, Williams Garcia. Garcia. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Doom, 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 doom.